0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to All Things Pilates. I'm Darian Gold. Arms come down. Make sure that front leg is bent and reach up, 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 up. Good. And again. And exhale and exhale and deepen your exhale as the carriage comes in. As the world continues to experience the fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic, It was just a little over a century ago, a similar disease spread around the globe. The First World War had broken out, followed by a severe and deadly outbreak, which took millions of lives. All of Europe was at risk, including Britain, where a German fitness and boxing instructor named Joseph Pilates lived and worked. As the war continued, resentment grew towards non-citizens living in England, especially those from Germany. And though Joe utilized his fitness experience to work as a circus performer, it became increasingly difficult to live a daily life as the pressure mounted to rid the country of those who the police refer to as foreign enemy aliens. So in 1915, the police began rounding up England's foreigners, including Joseph Pilates, and shipped them off to the Isle of Man for the remainder of the war. This small island, situated between England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales, became a holding place for tens of thousands of deportees. As the days and weeks turned into months and years, 32-year-old Joseph observed what depression and boredom did to his fellow internees' body, mind, and spirit. Camp Nekalo, where he was housed, provided the perfect laboratory to test his own fitness ideas, which he believed would help fellow prisoners overcome their physical and mental challenges. He wasted no time in teaching the other internees his developing fitness method. Joseph was housed in a subcamp. Camp Number 4, where he lived for three and a half years, and after the war ended, he was repatriated and returned to Germany. After spending a half a dozen or so years honing his exercise method, Joseph Pilates made his way to New York City and opened his own studio in 1926. Fast forward to today. My guest is Jonathan Grubb, who also lives on the Isle of Man. After he discovered the teachings of Joseph Pilates in 2013, he learned that his great grandfather was interned on the Isle of Man at the very same time as Joseph Pilates and in the same subcamp inside Camp Nikalo. Though there is no proof, it's believed that his great-grandfather was actually one of those internees that Joe instructed. Jonathan has lived on the Isle of Man for almost his entire life, and he and his wife, Carol, teach Pilates mat classes and promote its tremendous benefits along with sharing the history of Joseph Pilates. In 2016, Jonathan went further and created a historical Pilates page called Joseph's Legacy – Pilates 100+. plus. Jonathan's goal is to increase awareness of Joseph's time spent developing his method on the Isle of Man, and to give Pilates enthusiasts a better insight into what his life might have been like during his years of interment, both physically and mentally. To date, Jonathan's Facebook page has over 5,000 followers. And I bet you anything after hearing this interview, you'll be one too. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jonathan.
1: Thanks so much for having me on the show. It's a pleasure.
0: I have to ask you, in 2013, when you discovered the Pilates method, what actually was going on in your life that opened up that door for you?
1: Right. Well, my wife had been suffering for many years, probably 10 years with, what. Turned out to be a displaced kneecap, but nobody had diagnosed it. She'd been back and forward every six months to the surgeon just to see how it was going. And ultimately he said, well, we can do an operation that might or might not help with your knee pain because my wife was struggling even to go downstairs or go for any length of walk. And myself, I had had an anterior cruciate ligament injury from my football days or soccer you call it in the U- USA there and that had kind of started to play up and I would got knee pain so we both had significant injuries fortunately my wife had gone to a private physiotherapist who pretty much said don't ever have that operation it, you know could ruin you for the rest of your life so He just recommended exercise uh, for myself just to get the strength back in my knee. So my wife had seen an adult recreation evening class being advertised, a beginner's course, so she suggested we go along. I thought, didn't really know much about Pilates myself at the time. I'd kind of heard of it. So I'd go along, see what it was like. And, yeah, we went along, really enjoyed it. Got hooked, and we've been doing it ever since.
0: Let me ask you, when you went to take your first class it was it was a mat class, right so there were a lot of people
1: That's right yeah mat class
0: did you find that your knees, you and Carol had any discomfort, or did you feel right away that the work was helping to support your body?
1: well yeah well, Fell right away you know we were getting exercise lying down so obviously our knees were not under any undue pressure and we just felt the benefits straight away. Um, Obviously our knees took some time to kind of get the strength back and get the alignment back but gradually over time yeah it's really worked and, and my wife is so much better. She's not absolutely 100% pain-free and there's some things you need to be careful about doing thankfully I've not had any recurrence of the knee pain that I suffered so yeah we've really benefited both of us from practicing the method
0: in in the beginning did you start going just once a week or did you find there multiple classes per week
1: we just started. It was uh, we booked on the course, which was once a week, and at uh, just after Christmas there was there was a break, and our teacher invited us along to her studio to come along and try the reformer. Um, oh. She recognised that we were really keen, um, so she wanted to encourage us. So we went along. And from then on, we were kind of going twice a week, mat work class and reformer sessions, which got us even more hooked.
0: Yes, it must have been so amazing to go from mat work, thinking that that's what it was, just mat exercises, to then see apparatus, how eye-opening.
1: Yeah, it was just amazing just to see this huge piece of equipment and the, the chair as well. And just uh, the ladder barrel and um, the arc barrel just to see all this equipment as well. And and just the diversity of the exercises that you could do on them. It was just amazing.
0: At what point after your teacher started working with you on the apparatus, at what point did you learn that your great-grandfather was on the Isle of Man during the same time as Joseph Pilates?
1: I, I can't remember the point in time. It, it was probably, probably two or three months after starting Pilates, and I was at my parents' house, and I'd said that Carol, my wife, and I were doing Pilates and explaining who Pilates was and what Pilates was. And uh, I'd said he was interned on the Isle of Man. And my dad said, well, your great-grandfather was interned on the Isle of Man. I kind of vaguely remembered him mentioning something when I was a child, but it really meant nothing to me when I was young. And my dad seemed to think he was interned in another camp that they had on the island, which was a smaller camp. So I started to look into it and try and find out a little bit more information. And lo and behold, yeah, I was amazed to find that actually it wasn't the Douglas camp that he was interned at, it was the Nokelo camp, and then further research, there was a couple of uh, camp newspaper articles that, one mentioned Joseph Pilates and one mentioned my great-grandfather, and I put two and two together and realised it was the same sub-camp newspaper that they were mentioned in, so that actually put him in the same sub-camp as Joseph Pilates, which was kind of quite outstanding to find out really. I was amazed.
0: Did you have an aha moment in terms of how this all played out starting in 2013? It it happened pretty quickly.
1: It did yeah and it was kind of like one of those moments where you think there's no wonder I like Pilates if possibly my great-grandfather had been exercising along with Joseph Pilates. It's kind of perhaps already in my DNA. So it's no wonder I fell in love with the method straight for, away.
0: For sure. Speaking Thanks. of Camp Nikaylo, is anything else that you could share with us? I just touched briefly on it in the introduction. Anything else that you found out about it?
1: Well, I mean, it's it's quite a vast subject and um Well, maybe I could start by explaining the word nocello. It's it's a funny sounding word perhaps to many people. The Isle of Man has its own Manx Gaelic language. So Manx is a term used to explain something that comes from the Isle of Man. So it's relating to the Isle of Man. So um, Manx means you're either from the Isle of Man or something is from the Isle of Man. So we have our own language, which is very similar to Irish, Scottish and Welsh Gaelic languages. So the Knock means hill and the Alo is a variation of the name Olaf or Olaith, who was the Norse Viking king of man. So basically he was around in the 12th century. So it means Olaf's hill or the hill of Olaf. So Nokalo that's Manx kind of word. The Manx words, Gaelic words, and Viking Norse words kind of are all over the island because the Vikings didn't come and conquer the island. They came and settled and intermingled and married the local people. So the culture is very Gaelic and Viking. So Nokalo is uh, a small remote area of the island. Oh. And, yeah, there's a lot of information about the camp on the knockalo.im website if people want to find out more, but it's, it's a vast subject and, yeah, really interesting. Just how the camp developed from, it was originally intended for about 5,000 internees as the UK government were placing them in camps all over Britain. Some of the camps were actually on ships, some were in warehouses and I think they realised they needed to get them into better camps and the Isle of Man seemed an ideal place for them because it was small and isolated and even if they did escape there was nowhere really much to go, they couldn't get off the island so gradually um, the camp opened in November 1914 and then that was originally I think for people who were suspected of being spies and sort of people that as a security issue were of concern. But following the sinking of the cruise line of the Lusitania in May 1915, obviously uh, attitudes towards German, Austrian, Hungarian aliens in in the UK changed and they actually were at risk themselves of being attacked. So, it was as much for their own safety that they were put into camps and gradually Nocello grew and grew and became a camp of over 23,000 people on an island whose population was only 55,000 at the time. So it was a mini city, half the size of, of the island's whole population in a very small area. So it's just a fascinating subject, just People who live there, not only work there, the internees, there's just a lot of history there that is gradually being uncovered again.
0: The website, what's the name of the website again?
1: It's Nokelo.im. And that's the charity that are developing a visitor center and a research center, collating information on as many of the 23. Thousand plus internees that pass through the gates of Nokalo and they presently have tens of thousands of bits of information that they are gradually piecing together so it's getting all the pieces of the jigsaw together and just making this huge picture of what it was like and Joseph Pilates is part of that picture
0: it's fascinating speaking of Mr. Pilates. What was the most interesting thing you learned about him during his time on the Isle of Man? If there's one thing, probably more. I think,
1: yeah, well, there's a lot of interesting facts. Um, The more you dig, the more you find out. But I think, to me, the most sort of interesting fact is that he actually stated he enjoyed his time there. Many were suffering from depression missing their families um getting that disease they call Bob wire disease that mental health disorder but joseph he enjoyed his time he used it well and helped his fellow man and and used it to develop his method and and work with the bodies that he had around him to really hone his skills if you like and and develop his ideas so That's amazing that he could turn adversity into something that ultimately is just a triumph that Pilates is known worldwide now and helps so many people.
0: It was only men or were women interned?
1: In the First World War, it was only men. Um, The Second World War, they did intern women as well. But the First World War, women were sent back to Germany and children sent back to Germany or Austria, Hungary, the men were interned, which ultimately saved them, because if they'd been sent back to Germany, they'd have been conscripted into the army and sent to fight, so in some ways it was a good thing for them that they didn't have to fight. On the other hand, some felt probably a sense of um, failure that fellow countrymen were dying and, and they couldn't be there with them. So. Fixed emotions, I think, very much for for them.
0: Can you speak about whether or not there were metal beds in the hospital on the island? Because there seems to be a bit of controversy about the springs underneath the metal beds. Is that correct?
1: That's uh, very correct, yeah, just looking into the research and examining sort of records and photographs, um, I'd already heard somebody say in a in a film about Joseph Pilates that there were no metal beds at Halo and I've seen on websites people saying there were no metal beds there. That's purely a myth, and I felt that a little bit unfair if. Joseph, to me, he seemed a very genuine, forthright guy, not the sort of guy to make something up like that. And I couldn't understand why he would make something up like that. Why not just say he invented the machines in Germany or America? Why say there was nothing to benefit him from saying that he got the ideas there at Noceolo? So there are pictures of hospital beds which are clearly metal, um, so that kind of disproves the fact that there were no metal beds. And I did put a picture on my Facebook page of that and somebody straight away said, oh, but there's no proof there was springs underneath. They could have had wooden boards or ropes and not wire and springs. So I actually mentioned it to a doctor whose great uncle was a guardsman at Nocailo. Without hesitation, he said, of course, the med- beds would be all metal because To stop the spread of infection in hospitals, hospital beds were made of metal so they could be washed down with disinfectant straight away. Um, So wood or rope just would not have worked. Also, there's a letter I saw from an internee who wanted to buy his own metal bed. Now, he wouldn't have done that if it was just a wooden board underneath. It had to have some benefit, which obviously must have been comfort. So all added weight to the fact that there were springs. And then finally, I found this sort of clinching piece of evidence, which was an official government document outlining all the charges to be levied against internees for any damaged or missing goods. And on that list was iron bedsteads in brackets, wire sprung. So that was kind of conclusive proof that there were wire sprung beds and also subsequently I've seen the newspaper notices of the auctions that were held when Nokelo closed and there were two auctions with lots of 200 beds and 150 beds. So there was at least 350 metal iron sprung beds at the camp. They were there. So we can't prove that he took springs off them and made equipment, but we can prove that the beds were there. That's for sure.
0: Now, did you post that article or the photo or the declaration?
1: I've posted that all on my, my group, the photo. And then when I found the government notice, that's on there, yeah. So it's all on there.
0: There was a, I read somewhere that he did take the Springs as a way to help support the men when he was helping them when they couldn't get out of bed, because he was growing more and more exhausted with the weight of this body. He understood the springs underneath. And so he experimented with using the springs instead of his body to support. Do you think that that is part of his history? And that is a a truism?
1: It's hard to say. I've not seen sort of that reference. So I, I don't know where that's come from. If that's historical evidence or somebody surmising or if they've got that second hand first hand from Joseph so we continue to kind of look for that sort of information but until I put this out there it kind of was regarded as a myth so yeah it's not a myth there were metal beds with springs that's fact so supports kind of what has been said about it so the evidence is there to back up the comments at this you
0: stage. put that in a big banner on your Facebook page just to shut those people up.
1: Yeah <laughs> and it's interesting that the one or two people that did comment and question it when I said yeah but here's the evidence you don't hear back you don't hear any more. Silence. And yeah silence.
0: Camp Nakelo is it still there?
1: The the area is still there it's kind of it was a farm originally just prior to it becoming an internment camp the territorial army used it as a training base so I, I guess the territorial army is what you'd probably call national guard in the USA they're sort of not professional army but they're trained sort of have other jobs and they're called upon in times of need so when the UK government came to visit they thought that'd be an ideal site. So that's where they built the camp. And once it closed, it just reverted back to farmland. The huts were sold off and everything was sold off. So there's very little now that remains of the camp. There's, I think, one stone building which was... I think a coal store for the steam locomotive because they had to build a railway line to bring supplies in because it was such a huge place and to transport internees as they arrived. That still remains. The original farmhouse that was demolished, I think, and rebuilt after the North camp shut. And then there is one old former schoolroom just slightly off site that was used for administrative purposes. And that today is the site of the visitor centre and museum that they've developed uh, to just have all the artefacts that they can get and all the information about the camp, pictures, etc. And a, a research room where relatives that come to the island researching their family history, they can go there and just look at the records and add any information they want if they've got information to add to the story that's being compiled by the charity that runs the visitor center.
0: Did you find out if they are indeed descendants from that time who still live on the island?
1: There are, as far as we know, three descendants of internees on the island. They didn't actually stay on the island when they were released from Nocello. It's just the descendants have by coincidence really come to the island to live. I came as a two-year-old so I didn't have much choice, my parents came. Um, There's another lady whose husband was in I think the RAF, the British Royal Air Force, who had been stationed on the island and wanted to come back to live on, on the island so she came with him but her I think great uncle was interned on the island And then there's another lady whose great-grandfather, he was interned on the island. And sadly, many of the internees weren't allowed to go back to England where they'd been living. They were forcibly repatriated back to Germany. So this lady's great-grandfather, he had a wife and children in England, but he was forced to go back to Germany and never saw his family again. And, And that story is not uncommon. It's quite sad that... Some of the families never saw their husbands, fathers again. Fortunately, my great-grandfather, he had an English wife and four English-born sons. And although the war ended in November 1918, he wasn't released from Nakela until the end of August 1919, 10 months after the end of the war. He had applied to stay in England and had to wait for several months to find out even if he was going to be allowed to stay in England or have to go back to Germany as well. Luckily, he stayed, and uh, my family came back to live on the island subsequently.
0: What a history you have. So interesting. Now, three years into your Pilates education in 2016, I wonder where that idea came from, Maybe in a dream state, you went, okay, now this is, I'm going to have to do something with all this information that I'm learning. In 2016, you launched this Facebook page. How did you come up with the name and what were, what were your thoughts or what was your thinking around 2016 and you wanting to have your presence felt around the world? Really, you have 50, almost 5,500 now, correct?
1: That's correct, yeah. Um I kind of started it because one, yeah, this whole metal bed issue kind of <laughs> oh, no. a bit a little bit irksome Some, you know. Even on the Isle of Man, people coming to learn Pilates didn't really know he'd been interned here or that it was named after a a man. And around the world we we've we'd heard that people had the same ideas that lack of any idea that it was named after somebody that had been interned on the Isle of Man so i just wanted to kind of promote that idea that yeah parties it was named after a guy and he was interned on the Isle of Man and developed the foundations of his method while he was here so i just wanted to get that information out there and i kind of named it Joseph's legacy, because obviously his legacy is his method that he's left the world. And it was just, just 100 plus years after he'd been first interned on the Isle of Man and then just the classical Pilates movement, the 100. So I just kind of put the two together, the 100 and 100 plus years since he'd been here. So
0: that's brilliant.
1: That was That was just my thinking on the name. And yeah, it's kind of grown. 5,500 people. When I got to 100, 100 people, I thought oh, I've done well. And then it gradually crept up, and I thought, well, if I make a thousand, I'll be really pleased. And I can't remember when I hit a thousand, probably a year and a half ago. And then suddenly it's kind of really escalated and grown and grown. So that's just been so good to do.
0: And what do you see its future?
1: Well, I don't. Who knows? Who knows what information might come up? Yeah, I keep digging and, you know, with the the other resources, other people looking into information, um, again just, it could be just one snippet of information, a letter from one internee that mentions Joseph Pilates or exercising, it's it's hard to say what will come up, so I just uh, I just don't know where it'll go. I'm just excited, just keep Pushing stuff out there. And it's just nice to have all this information together. Some people put information on their the groups, but it's interspersed with their own stuff or promoting something, conference workshops and that.
0: People are allowed to post?
1: If it's kind of related to just Joseph Plarty's or Clara, sort of specific about really the history. I like to keep it about that as much Historical. As Yeah, yeah.
0: In the early nineteen hundreds there were other fitness pioneers, correct?
1: That's correct, yeah. So just recently with with lockdown, having a lot of time on my hands, (laughs) and the Manx Museum kindly allowed all their newspaper articles and archives to be freely available to people so just sat around a little bit. I started just looking at sort of the camp newspapers because they had a number of camp newspapers. Each subcamp had its own internal newspaper at Machalo and all our local papers. I just started typing in a few keywords exercise, physical exercise, physical therapy, you know, just to see what comes up. And under physical culture, A guy's name came up, Eugene Sandow, and I'd never heard of him and kind of looked into him, and it was quite an interesting story, just this guy who was a global superstar in his day that nobody had heard of, and he had his own exercise system, so it was all really quite interesting stuff. So I I wrote a piece about him, posted that, which got really interesting comments and very favourable comments, also just doing this searching on terms, I came up in the German camp newspapers the word system muller, and I thought, well what's that? The the translation given by the museum was Muller Technique. When I typed in Muller Technique on Google, came up with the My System by Jorgen Muller. That's that's the only thing it could be. So System Muller was jorgen muller's system and just looking at all the information on him and finding his book and looking at the pictures of his exercises it was quite remarkable so i shared another post about that which people have just found fascinating so
0: what year was that jonathan
1: i found the article Uh,
0: the the actual gentleman
1: yeah his book was very early nineteen hundreds. Um Eugene Sandow wrote a book and I think that was nineteen oh four. I think Jorgen Muller was possibly nineteen twelve, just going off off memory. So very early nineteen hundreds, kind of predating the books of Joseph Plarty's definitely. Especially the Muller system, the camp news Papers at Naukalo refer to several groups practicing the Muller system. So obviously, that was very much in evidence at the camp. Um, there's one individual had a little advert in the camp newspaper advertising his classes in the Muller system. So they would clearly have been sort of very visible to Joseph Pilates when he was there, on top of all the gymnastics and gymnastic free exercises that were performed. Which I think looking at that is the gymnastic free exercises of Jorgen Muller as well. So there's clearly a very Western influence within the camp on, on the exercise systems that were developed and practiced there. And they, in my opinion, would surely have influenced Joseph Pilates when he was there.
0: Oh, I think absolutely. How could you not?
1: It it couldn't have escaped it. He was, inside the barbed wire camp, and it was all there, yeah. So that's been, you know, a recent really fascinating discovery. So when you asked about where do I see my site going, I don't know, because if you'd asked me that six months ago, I would never have envisaged this information coming up and being able to post and write about it.
0: Do you anticipate we are in the middle of 2020? We don't know how long the lockdown will be but do you anticipate because there's so much more interest in the origins of how joe pilates came to his work do you anticipate many more people coming to the island
1: it would be nice if they did yeah Um especially now there's this visitor center which is just if they come to the island, there is something there to see, not just empty fields where the camp was. There is now visual sort of aids to show you what that camp was exactly like. Um, they've got a 3D model of the camp in miniature, which is just fascinating to see. So they can see all that history there at the camp. And, yeah, it would be amazing for people to come over, come and practice parties, have a tour of the site. and. Um, in 19, uh, no, 2019, last year, it was the official opening of the Nakelo Visitor Centre, so we had a Pilates weekend, International Pilates Day on the May the 4th, and on the Sunday afterwards we had a, a whole weekend of Pilates, and on the Sunday we actually had a marquee on site in the field where Joseph Pilates' sub-camp was, and we were doing Pilates there and then everybody that came over had an amazing time and we had a guided tour around the camp and through the visitor centre with basically pretty much the first people to see it because the official opening was the Thursday afterwards and I was one of the lucky three resident uh, internee descendants that was the official opener for the Nocello Centre. So that was just an amazing sort of finale to the whole thing of opening the camp uh, and the camp visitor center and having the weekend it was fantastic
0: you know Jonathan I don't know if you've thought about this but you may turn into the conduit between your own personal history Joe's history and developing not just the museum I think Alison Jones is heading that's right
1: yeah but
0: perhaps there's going to be a training center that you will develop
1: hey who knows that would be amazing
0: (laughs) it would seem like an obvious evolution i think and more and more people will probably use the isle of man as a pilates destination now so you have more fish to fry
1: yeah that's food for thought definitely And uh, guest presenter, Darian Gold, to come over
0: as well. (laughs) Yes. I was just actually talking to a colleague today, and she knows that you and I are going to be talking today. And she right away said, I plan on going to the Isle of Man, just like that. And I thought, wow, so there's probably a lot of thinking in the future. So you probably should get your seatbelt on.
1: Okay, yeah, I'm going (laughs) to enjoy Definitely.
0: If people want to reach out to you now and want to learn more about your life, your work, the island, how do they actually find you? What's the best way? They
1: they could, I'm on Facebook, Jonathan Grubb, and my Facebook group, Joseph's Legacy, Pilates 100+. Or they could email me, jgrubb at live.com. Be wonderful to hear from them. One question I posed quite a while ago on my group, which perhaps I should pose again now there's more people, is according to Alison Jones at the Nokalo Visitor Centre, there's about a million descendants of internees worldwide. And there must be others, other than myself, who's a descendant who does Pilates, but I've, I've yet to hear from any of them. So they might not realize some of them that they are descended from an internee from Nokalo and they might have history that they can feed into it as well. So it would be great to hear from people like that too.
0: Have you posted that on your Facebook page?
1: I did, but quite a while ago. So there wasn't as many people in the group. It's grown since then, but there's got to be more, I'm sure.
0: Yes. I think it's time you need to do part two round two
1: definitely ask again
0: thank you Jonathan so much for your time today and thank you for listening if you enjoyed this show would you please be so kind as to write a review I promise you'll get extra brownie points if you do know others who might find this show useful please share it with them all things Pilates is hosted and produced by me Darian Gold Podcast production is provided by Audio Ephemera. I'm Andy, the audio engineer for All Things Pilates, and I'm also a student of Darian's. My Pilates practice has strengthened my core and, more importantly, given me a new awareness of my body and its abilities. Darian doesn't hold back, but it's fun, and I always leave my sessions feeling energized. And I'm not the only one.
1: I'm a local student of Darian's and have had the pleasure of taking her studio based math classes. I've really been appreciating the convenience that Darian's Zoom classes have offered me. She gets me to challenge myself and inspires me to keep up the practice no matter what my circumstances might be. Thanks, Darian. I started working with Darian at her studio in West Hollywood. I lost track of Darian when she moved to Northern California and was thrilled to have her start online Zoom classes, which surprisingly worked very well. The online environment allows her to provide one-on-one coaching that is very personalized, even though you're part of a class.
0: Visit DarianGold.com to view her online class schedule. Also, try one of her apps, available on the App Store or Google Play. And to keep up with Darian and all her new interviews, subscribe to this podcast. Until next time, study your history.